Hey guys, welcome to the LT Brings the Heat podcast. We're your hosts, Sean Laird and Adam Heisler, where we talk about baseball and sports performance. With topics ranging from coaching, business, and player development, our goal is to bring you a no BS approach to development in baseball and sports performance. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's rock and roll. Hey guys, uh, welcome to LT Brings the Heat. Uh, we're your host, Sean Laird, Adam Heisler. We've got another great episode. Um, you know, the big thing today that I want guys to understand, we got a first-round draft pick, Zach Thompson, um, for the Cardinals of 2019. And uh, the big thing I want you guys to understand before we kind of get into this intro and, and, and summary of everything is this guy's a hard worker. This guy's a blue-collar mentality kid. You're going to listen to him talk. You know, with him being a first-round draft pick, obviously we, we know what comes with that, the expectations that comes with that. But he treats this like he's, he still has a goal of being in the Hall of Fame. You'll talk about that, him talk about that. But the guy's willing to work his butt off to do everything day in and day out to become that guy, become an absolute dude in the big leagues. And that's something that I, I kind of wanted to just touch on before we got started with the summary. But, Adam, what else did you kind of listen to that kind of really popped out to you? Yeah, I just love how he has a plan of how he's going to get to that Hall of Fame status. And mm-hmm. we always talk about dreams versus a plan versus reality and stuff. And he breaks down – what his plan is and how he expects to have success that direction. That's cool. He kind of goes back to when he was in high school, when he first started to get into the weight room, which is going to correlate to our last episode. And I think he mentioned his eighth grade year, freshman year is when he first started to get in there. So it's kind of right where we were talking about last week of get in there. He talks about form, how important the form was and learning how to do these movements the proper way. So I think it was just cool that he mentions that after we just talked about it literally a week ago. And then another thing that stood out to me is just when what was his decision to go to Kentucky? And he tells you straight up, I wanted to play in the SEC. I wanted to compete against the best and just to see where I stack up because I thought that was going to be my best development process. Well, what were some things that stood out to yourself? I know you had been with him for a while since he played for you back with the Indiana Bulls organization. Just how is it like how have you seen him grow over the years? Yeah, so Zach was always the guy that had this mentality of, you know, I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to be the dude on the bottom. I'm like, Hey Zach, you ready to throw today? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm let's go. I'm going to dominate. And he always had that mentality, always down to earth guy. Um, Cause you know, and we were kind of talking to him before we got on, like this guy is a first round draft pick. So you don't know what kind of mentality to expect. And you immediately hear him, you know, and you know the type of blue collar attitude he has, but with him, it, you know, listening to him talk and you know, the down to earth atmosphere, he's a people person. He develops relationships and he wants to learn from everybody he talks to. And that's something I think that people kind of put a wall in and they don't want to have this learning atmosphere and this learning, this learning process of like, Hey, I'm going to try this grip or I'm going to try this pitch or I'm going to listen to this guy. And he talks at the end guys. And he starts talking about how he learns from people online on Instagram, on Twitter, um, you know, Eric Cressy, he talks about Eric Cressy a lot too. Um, but he's a guy that doesn't have it figured out but he's willing to put in the work to figure it out. And he never has that mentality like, hey, I've made it. I've been here. I've done that. And that's something I think is really missed on today's ball players. Um, and that's something I'm really, really excited for you guys to listen to here coming up. But anything else, Adam, before we kind of close them out? Yeah, and so listeners, pay attention. He's going to talk about one of his best starts that he made at the University of Kentucky and literally how it was his worst bullpen before the game. And it turned out to be a complete game. It was one of his best starts that he had made his whole time through college. So he's going to dive in deep about how he can pitch anywhere from 88 to 98. And it's going to be, hey, I don't always have to rear back and throw as hard as I can. He talks about pitchability, the focus of each and every pitch. It's just a really awesome guy. And I think you nailed it when he's he's down to earth. Like we sit here, we could have talked for a couple of hours just about whatever. 
And I just love, you can see the passion in him, but then you can also see that he's willing to do the work outside of what he needs to do. Yep, absolutely. And these, these episodes with former players for me are always awesome because, you know, coaching him with the Bulls and, and, you know, seeing him as a young man and now into who he is today, it's, it's really cool to see the growth and the process of, you know, guys that not don't lose that competitive edge, don't lose that, you know, that killer instinct like he has. And it's, um, it was definitely really awesome right here. So, guys, we really hope you enjoy this. Uh, it's 2019 first-round draft pick for the Cardinals, Zach Thompson. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys enjoy this episode, make sure you guys leave that five-star review, guys. Here we go. Let's rock and roll. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Uh, we got a special guest today, one of my former players, the Indiana Bulls organization. Uh, uh, I believe the 19th overall pick in the first round for the Cardinals of last year's draft, Zach Thompson, uh, pitched at Kentucky. Um, and obviously is from a small town in Indiana. I'll let him kind of get into details about that. Um, but how are you doing today, Zach? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been, we were just talking before we got on. And uh, the cool thing about baseball is you develop relationships and you get to, you know, know people. And I haven't talked to Zach in years. And we kind of talk on social media every now and then. But it's really good to, to kind of see his face and kind of talk to him a little bit because he's, he's an awesome young man, man. And he's, uh, he's doing big things. So we're excited to kind of get his uh, feedback and get some stuff on. But, yeah, kind of an awesome young man. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so b before we kind of dive into some details and, you know, Zach, obviously you're a hard thrower, um, kind of break us down a little bit of your history in high school. Cause I remember like, I remember when I specifically, I picked you, I believe Jackson and Drake all up at the same time in the fall. Um, and we transitioned and you were like a low eighties guy. And then all of a sudden your sophomore year, boom, you're kind of popping, you know, 91, 92, pretty much every outing. Um, can you kind of break down kind of like how that velocity jump happened, but also kind of how, you know, the Bulls organization, how that kind of developed into your decision to go to Kentucky? Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of weird, you know, ever since I got to high school, it was like every day I was, you know, I'd stay after I'd go down to the field by myself, throw, hit, whatever, mm -hmm. go up to the weight room once it got dark and then head home about dinner time. Um, and then finally that sophomore year, uh, I went to a PBR event in like February. I think it hit like 83, like you said. And then come that, you know, a couple months later, just Fr Frenchie from Ball State was there and I was up to 92. <laughs> um, you know, things just finally, <laughs> something magic happened. I, I don't know. It just finally clicked. I guess all that work finally paid off. Uh, Absolutely. And then just kind of blew up from there, obviously with the recruiting scene. Mm -hmm. um, and then I played for you that next summer. Uh, you know, every game, you know how it is with the Bulls, every game you're at, there's there's 30 college coaches there, so that was huge. You know, like we talked before we got on, you know, just some of those universities, you know, there's so many so many good schools that the Bulls play in front of, and I think that's huge for recruiting, obviously. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you kind of went through the recruiting process and, you know, you went to your schools and I know you kind of had to, you, you definitely wanted to make sure you made the best decision, which obviously, you know, going through the process and you, you're a guy that kind of really likes developing relationships and you like, you know, you like real people. You kind of like me in that aspect, obviously. What kind of made your decision to end up ultimately choosing Kentucky? You know, some of the, some of the bigger schools have that, that kind of white collar flair about them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I feel like we're pretty similar. Uh, I wasn't really into that. And Kentucky yep. at the time was in the oldest, smallest, just grittiest stadium in the league. 
you know, worse facilities, but the guys there, the culture the team had was that very blue collar feel, you know, it was, all those guys were workers. Uh, most of them were, were kind of slept on in high school, I'd say, mm-hmm. and got there and worked their asses off. Um, you know, guys like Evan White, Cole Cottom, um, Sean Jelly, those guys that are now starting to make names for themselves. Um, it was just a very blue collar atmosphere. And that was, that really stuck out to me. You know, most of the other programs, especially in the league programs, weren't that same feel. Uh, yep. It had that small town feel. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> go ahead, Adam. So Zach did play, playing in the SEC had a big part of wanting to go to Kentucky and can kind of compete against the best players in the country all in that one conference. Absolutely. You hit it on the head. Um, you know, being able to play in the best conference was exactly what I wanted to do. Um, you know, there were some mid-major schools that I really liked, but for me, I wanted, I thought that I would get the most development out of playing against the best players. So the SEC was a, a huge step for me. That's awesome. You know, I, I really love that attitude because there's a lot of guys that are high prospects and it just, I mean, you know, I've been coaching the Bulls now for 10 years and you see certain kids that kind of feel like they've already made it. Uh, when they have a certain type of level. And I know that's something you never had. You're always working. Like you chose your college based on the competition that you're playing, the level you're playing at, but also the atmosphere and culture, the blue collar. Hey, we're going to work our asses off. That's the type of mentality. I think that's a great example. I'm really, I'm really glad you said that because there's a lot of guys that have, you know, I'll have guys that are committed to a college and they act like they've already been a first round draft pick or they're already made it to the show. And that's, that's a, that's an issue that I see. And I don't want to be that guy, that old guy. It's like, oh, this generation. Because there's people like that all the time, right? Like, it just that's the nature of the beast in the, in the sport that we played, in the sport that we coach. Um, there's people. And I think that confidence is a big deal. I love having that type of confidence. But players also need to have that work mentality, which I can appreciate that 100%. Um, so, freshman year at Kentucky, you end up being a midweek starter. Um, you know, kind of walk us through the development process. Like when you showed up at school, like, hey, like what's Kentucky's development process? Like, Zach, hey, this is what we're going to do. Did they say, hey, Zach, we want you to throw 100 mile an hour one day? Or, you know, what did they kind of do when it come to a practice perspective? Well, it's kind of funny, you know, back to the whole recruiting thing. I think part of it comes down to the, the coaches as part of the, the issue with this generation of recruiting. You know, you get guys that are built up by these college coaches their entire high school careers about how great they are. Yep. And then they get to campus and realize that they're not quite what they were told they were, you know, like, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I fell into the same thing a little bit going into freshman year, my first meeting, um, they sat us all down and they're like, what do you, what do you want out of this season? What's your goals? What's your plan? And I was like, I plan on being the Friday guy. And then first scrimmage rolls around and I was like, Oh shit, I'm not the Friday guy. This is, uh, <laughs> this is, this is going to take a little bit of work. Um, but you know, I worked my ass off in the fall and really tried. I mean, I stuck around the, the older pitchers as much as I could. Um, that year is like Logan Salo, Zach Logue, uh, Sean Jelly, you know, just hanging around those guys, learning, learning as much as I could. Cause you know, those guys had been through the league two, three, four times already and just picking up as much as I could um, ended up putting together a good fall and got that midweek job. Um, but the coaches really heading into my freshman year were like, look, we want to, we want to see you be like our ace of the future, you know, just work your ass off, see what happens. Um, and I was, you know, honestly, at first I was kind of pissed. It was like, I want to be a weekend guy. I came to play in the sec. I don't want to be mm-hmm. the midweek guy, but uh, you know, I hit a skid there like, 
three, four, five weeks in a row were just bad start after bad start. But being in that role, they could keep running me out there and keep developing me rather than, oh, you're a Sunday guy in the league and you had three straight bad outings, you're going to the pen. Mm -hmm. So I think that them sticking with me as the midweek guy freshman year changed my whole development path. So that was huge for me. I think that's such a good thing that they kind of gave you a role and you knew exactly what you're kind of going to get groomed for, especially being a young kid in the SEC to come in as a freshman and try to be a weekend starter against some of the best is just, it's super, super talented players that are high recruits. Maybe they're 98 to hundred miles an hour, whatever it is when you're watching an SEC game. Now your sophomore year had a little bit of the bicep injury, but your junior year was your huge year. Just looking back at your numbers. Can you talk about with number one, that being your draft year, everybody knows that junior year of college is the big draft year. Was there anything you did that off season before to kind of help you propel yourself to get ready knowing like this is my big opportunity right here? You know, I spent, I mean, that whole season, like you said, you're, I feel like you're locked in that little bit extra, but I didn't try to do anything out of the box. I didn't try to go squat 800 pounds suddenly or go pull down 105. It was just, it was more simplifying things for me. I'm a bit of a tinkerer. Mm -hmm. I'm a perfectionist. I'm always messing with grips and stuff. And that year it was like, you know, talking with my agent, it's like, stop trying to do so much. Your stuff's good enough. Have confidence in your stuff and just go out and compete and have fun and enjoy your last year of college. And that's what I did. And I think I played loose and it helped. Yeah, man, being able to play loose and have that relaxed mentality, but at the same time have that killer instinct, I think that's a big deal. And some guys, they, they can't do both. A lot of guys kind of get tense and, and they, they, you know, and especially in the clutch, they really struggle with that type of situation. You know, when it comes to like a strength and conditioning perspective or a running perspective, um, is there anything you can help attribute besides obviously your consistency and throwing your hard work in that aspect that kind of helps you with your body? Cause obviously the guys that aren't listening here, they don't know Zach, Zach, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're like six, three, six, four guy, about two twenty, two thirty, right? Yep. Yeah. So Zach's a, Zach's a physical kid. Um, he's a big kid. And for those that don't know, they also do could stroke it in high school too. Like uh, we, uh, we put him at first base a lot and he hit when he wasn't hitting, but you know, most pitchers at that age, they think they can hit, but as sophomore, you know, I let Zach hit and he did a little bit, had some games where he struggled, but he could, uh, he could stroke it as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I, I stuck with the right position. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. As far as, as far as uh, strength and conditioning, I think the biggest thing for me has always been squatting. I've always been a squatter. Um, you know, probably like freshman year, I started really working on form. I was never worried about what kind of numbers I could put up. And then when I got to college, I would usually squat even in season at least twice a week. Um, I'm a big back squat guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you said big physical guy, but as, aside from squatting, I don't do anything particularly well, but I'm, yep. I'm average to above average and everything. Um, I like a lot of med ball, a lot of rotational stuff. Um, as far as conditioning, um, I, th- I don't do a ton of running. I mean, mm-hmm. I do enough for maintenance work, but I think to be able to throw hard and to be able to throw hard for several pitches, you've just got to build your body up to actually throw hard for several pitches. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a process in the spring, but you just got to get built up. And if you've got your legs under you, which for me is squatting, then yep. everything else falls in line. Absolutely. Yeah, right, that's great. Last week we talked about on our episode, uh, strength and conditioning standpoint. What is, I would say, going back to when you were in high school, when was kind of the first time you really started to get into the weight room? And then also 
from a pitching standpoint, when did you really start to kind of attack long toss or arm care in the high school age? So my, I've got an older brother that's six years older, and he was always big into lifting. So when I got to like probably like eighth grade, I started kind of screwing around with lifting. And then, like I said, like freshman year, um, I just started really focusing on form because he was a big form guy rather than be that high schooler that goes in and tries to deadlift 800 pounds and break your back and just look yep. pathetic doing mm-hmm. it. So just, I think just building that foundation of, of kind of really being a stickler on technique on everything uh, was huge. And then arm care wise, I didn't know what that was until I got hurt my, what was that junior year? I think I started really messing with that. Um, yep. you know, I started J bands like freshman year, which I think helped, but yeah, I think, I think leading up to that, I hadn't really done much particular arm care. I was just kind of try to be strong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's it. You know, I really like how you kind of broke down, like, you know, you get your legs built in the weight room with your squats, but I always use Lance Lynn as an example. And I think, I think people talk about arm care and arm issues a lot. And I think most kids are undertrained. Their arms get hurt because they're not built to throw for a long period of time. Um, and Lance Lynn, I played, he was a teammate with me and the bulls in high school for a couple of years. And the dude threw all the time. I mean, long toss, he was throwing on the bump, like every outing was a long outing for him. And obviously like right now, he's literally one of the top five pitchers in baseball right now, the way he's been throwing. Um, and the guy's always had that rubber arm. He had that, you know, injury a few years ago and got, you know, fixed from it. But, you know, you in the aspect of things, you're kind of taking a little bit of the same mentality, but you know, Lance was obviously a freak and a freak of nature still is a freak of nature, but you know, you're building your legs in the weight room and then you're making sure you're in game shape because a lot of people kind of get confused. Like the only thing that's sports specific to throwing a baseball that you need to get better at is you need to throw a baseball and you need to do it more often. And I think a lot of guys kind of, you know, get caught up in like, Oh, I can only throw this amount of pitches today because uh, you know, my arm's going to be sore. Instead of like, dude, like, you know, your body can adapt to anything. You got to build your arm up, you know? And that's, that's something, you know, dead arm and other things, excluding all of that stuff, like taking rest and certain, like, obviously we need rest, but you've got to build yourself up to be able to repeat. Like you said, if you want to throw seven, eight innings. You want to be able to throw a CG if possible. You got to build up to doing that. Um, you know, when it comes to that long toss, is there, what kind of specific routine, like say it's Zach Thompson's getting ready for a start. Um, you know, you show up at the ballpark. What's kind of your routine to getting yourself ready and getting yourself prepped? So for me, Ever since, I'd say, like, middle of high school, other than, like, preseason building up arm strength, I really don't long toss. Um, mm-hmm. it's not, I'm not one of those anti-long toss guys. I'm just not crazy about it. I think, personally, it throws my, my mechanics out of sync. Um, for me, I don't go farther than 90 or 120 in season and try to stay on that same plane. Um, you know, I can throw just as hard from 90 feet as I can from 400 feet, but I can keep my mechanics synced up. And I think for me, that's, that helps because I've always battled control issues my entire career. Yep. Um, as far as like a pre-start routine, typically I'll start, you know, stretching, getting some hip mobs, getting some shoulder warm up, hitting the Indian clubs, stuff like that. Um, somewhere around an hour, hour or so before game time. And then by the time I head out to the field, 20 to 30 minutes before game time, I'm, I'm already warmed up. You know, I'll do a real quick dynamic, but I'm, for the most part, I'm already warmed up. Um, takes me like five minutes to play catch from there and then hop on the mound, 25 pitches, uh, 15 out of the stretch, 10 out of the windup. I'm good to go. Just keep it simple. <laughs> baseball, yeah. gets, baseball gets hard when you start overcomplicating things. 
Oh, it really does. And I'm so glad you brought up kind of your routine and you're not big into long toss. And I think so many people are trying to cookie cut players out there, whether it's a coaching staff or development staff and making everybody do the same exact thing. And we're all built different. There's some guys we talk hitting a lot on here that love the tee. There's some guys that absolutely hate the tee. So what we tell guys is try to find your routine that works for you. And like you said, baseball is so long and drawn out. You need to find that routine that keeps you in the same little box every time you're getting ready to go out there and compete. So, Zach, I'm going to ask you a question. What uh, pitches do you throw? Uh, four seam, uh, slider, curveball, and changeup. Okay. If you had to rank those pitches, where would you kind of rank them in your repertoire? Probably curveball, fastball, slider, changeup. Right. <laughs> nice, nice. Very good. All right, so with that going into it, is there nights in the bullpen before games? I think pitchers kind of maybe get drawn into it before of in the game or before the game that night of – hey, this pitch is working, this one's not. Do you kind of know from the bullpen going into the game, like do you talk to your catcher any about, hey, let's throw the fastball curveball changeup tonight, kind of get away with the slider? Is there ever times that you're maybe just not feeling one pitch so you kind of eliminate it? Yes and no. I wouldn't say I, elim I eliminate it, but there's definitely – there's shoot every day in the bullpen. It's like, okay, I, I don't have that one right now. But, you know, I, I'm not going to sit down there in the pen and throw 40 pitches trying to find it. And then get out to the game mound. I'll try again to find it. But if it's not there, then it's like, all right, we're going to work with what we got for now. You know, every inning I might, I might try it again, especially in the right spot. Maybe you've got a guy 0 2 2 outs and you can't find your slider. So you're like, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to bury this one. <laughs> if, it, if I get my feel back, I get my feel back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, something I noticed in my, especially last season in college. Um, with my curveball, some days I wouldn't have it like the first or second inning when I've got the adrenaline flowing, you know, legs will get moving too fast. And then you start to get just that little bit of fatigue and my arm had time to catch up and I'd find the curveball again. So I wouldn't, yep. I wouldn't go into the game and say, okay, curveball's not there. So I'm just not going to throw it today. Yep. Be like, All right. We're going to, we're going to wait and see what happens. We'll see how the course of the game goes. Man, that's, that's good stuff right there too. Cause I, for me as a former player and as a coach, and, you know, every guy we talked to, like we had Josh Lindblom on um, ways back. The bullpen essentially means nothing when it comes to the game time is what a lot of those guys say. You feel the same way about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah for me, it's a, it's a chance to get loose, feel the ball come off my fingers and just kind of get an idea of where I'm at. Yep, absolutely. Because you could, I mean, I've had, I've seen guys lights out in the bullpen and come in and they literally just, you know, shit the bed. They they, they can't do anything with it. They, they, they throw balls, they, they, like I had a, a couple kids this year that had that issue and then they have a bad bullpen and they come on and be lights out. And a lot of that to me is like, for me, when I would hit and Adam, you can kind of testify to this. Like if I had my worst BP sessions, sometimes I would have my best, your best game. Yeah, exactly. Cause you're focused, you're mentally. And that, yeah. that just shows how important the mental focus is. And like, Hey, all right, I'm going to focus on some little things and do the little things. Right. And then all of a sudden, boom, it starts transferring. It's funny. So uh, we were at Florida towards the end of last season and I had already put together a pretty good year at that point. It was getting down to the end, and I, I maybe threw like two strikes in the bullpen. We're walking in. It's me, the pitching coach, and the catcher. I was like, "Look, we've been together for three years. I'm just going to be honest with you. Have the bullpen ready to go from the start because I don't have anything." <laughs> <laughs> and I get out there, and I'm sitting like 88, 89. I think I might have hit a 90 early, but because I was so focused on how shitty that bullpen was i locked in and found all my off speed and i just kind of became a shit baller for that outing and it was <laughs> one of my better outings of the year 
<laughs> oh, man, that's good stuff. CG that day when I told him have the bullpen ready to go from the start. Yeah, that's that. And that shows the importance of pitchability and being able to, to, to use your pitches and be able to hit location and stuff like that. Because I remember, obviously, sophomore year, you're still pretty raw in a lot of aspects of things. And you'd have games where you're a little wild, missing high a lot um, and stuff like that. And I remember, like, that team, I mean, we had – for those that are listening, Cody Hosey that we had, Zach and him were on the same team in high school, ended up being first-round draft picks together. Um, and, and Cody was the same type mentality as Zach, hard worker, blue-collar, got after it. But that team was absolutely loaded. And I specifically remember, like, when we were in Atlanta, I think we were into the final 16 in WWBA or something like that, and we faced a Florida State guy. It was you versus the Florida State uh, commit. Um, and he was, like, 94 with, like, an 87-mile slider, and Zach's throwing low 90s up to 92 and just throwing shit. And it was a really good game. Obviously, we didn't come out on top right there. Um, but, you know, looking at that things and seeing where you, are, where you were then and where you are now, like – and this is something I kind of want to touch on. And you, you, you said from the beginning, like, the squad. I want to make sure that I'm building my foundation. You know, I want to make sure my technique is correct. Um, I always tell guys, like, build a foundation of concrete, not marshmallow, and that's part of the technique. And then you're saying the same thing about pitching. Like, I don't want to go too far in long toss because I want to make sure that my mechanics are on point. I want to make sure that I feel good. I want to make sure I'm getting through uh, my pitches. And that's something I think is a big deal. Like, what, what's something that you see – with young guys or other guys you think they make a mistake on, whether it's like, Hey, I'm just going to try to throw as hard as I can, whatever, you know, wherever the hell it goes, it goes like, what, what, what do you think some mistakes are that guys need to kind of correct, especially at the high school college levels? I think it's this whole generation of showcases, um, mm-hmm. you know, throwing a hundred to the backstop will get you recruited, but it's not going to get you playing time. It's not going to get you drafted. You got to be able to throw strikes. You know, it's that, that fine line between you can't throw 78, and get recruited and get playing time, but you can't throw a hundred and not throw strikes. So you got to find that fine balance of what works for you and get your stuff in the zone. You know, nobody, <laughs> you're not going to be on the mound long if you walk three straight. hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a good thing that you brought up there. Cause last night in the big leagues, Lucas Giolito threw a no hitter. And uh, some of his comments afterward was just how important he focuses on each and every pitch he's about to throw. And I think, so many young kids get caught up into when they're struggling, they rear back to try to throw harder as opposed to maybe taking some off to find the strike zone. And me and Sean will attest to this, and you did too when you swung it. Hitting is hard. Mm-hmm. And so if you attack these hitters and throw it over the zone and then you start to tinker with them and try to get them to chase, now you can do it, but you have to start with getting ahead. Getting ahead. So can you kind of talk about just how important the mental focus of each and every pitch you put into a game, how important that is? Yeah, so, I mean, something our pitching coach – talks about all the time is it's nine on one you know odds are in your favor um just throw strikes and they're they're going to get themselves out at least 70 percent of the time um you gotta like you said you can't just rear back and give it that extra every pitch um for me i'll sit anywhere from like 88 to 98 in an outing depending on the situation you know if i'm cruising <laughs> i'm not going to rear back you know if i'm if i'm in trouble i'm not going to be sitting there trying to throw 98 off the backstop Yep. Um, but, you know, you get to those times where maybe you got second, third, nobody out. You got to nut up. You got to give them everything you got and get into that, that closer mentality. Yep. Um, so it's just you got to have that, that like mental stability to, to kind of get outside the game and understand, slow it down and understand what's going on and where you're at in the game rather than just, okay, I'm going to go balls to the wall and try to throw 100 every pitch and try to throw my nasty shit every pitch. Yeah, uh, for coming out of the bullpen, it's a little bit different. But as a starter, you got to be able to. Your main, really, your main job is to get your team deep into the game and save the bullpen. 
Yep. Um, you know, if, if you're throwing a no hitter, it's obviously a plus. But your your main objective is to get to like the seventh, save those arms. Yep. Especially up here, I mean, playing every day. If a starter goes three, it it screws the bullpen for the whole week. Oh yeah. You, know, you, you might cost your team three, four games. So mm-hmm. just being able to have that that mental awareness of of where you're at in the game, what's going on, you know, being able to slow the game down and see who's coming up, what kind of situation you're in. Just have a have a high baseball IQ. Understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. So Zach, you kinda we kinda broke down into your transfer into, you know, Kentucky and all that stuff. Can you kinda walk us through the draft process and how that was for you? We did a little bit of the same thing with Zach uh Britton we had on. Um, you know, kind of what was the things that you were hearing, kind of what were you expecting? Um, how did that process go? How did your agent help you through all that? Like what 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 was that uh what was that road for you like? A long one. Um <laughs> I mean, it all started back in the fall. Um, meeting with most of the teams. I think I met with 28 or 29 teams um, and then roll around the spring and, you know, they don't, they don't talk to you quite as much in the spring. They'll go through your agent. Um, you'll hear some of the buzz, but leading up the last couple of weeks, met with a few teams again. And I really thought I was going to go in like that, like nine to 15 range. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know, you know, how the, it's just the way the draft works. I slid and, ended up going to the one team I'd never talked to. <laughs> it's just kind of – it's crazy how the draft works. Uh-huh. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, that really is. So, kind of – all right, so you, you sign, you play your first split season last year. How was that first experience into the Pro Bowl? What was, I guess, kind of different from what you have gone from in college to when you get to that Pro Bowl stage? I mean, it's, it's a completely different animal. Um, first of all, I mean, I'm, it – it happened a little bit different, um, the, just the way the Cardinals work with with college arms. Um, I had thrown a lot of innings, so I ended up going. I spent like two weeks in rookie ball getting built back up and then went straight to high A as a reliever. But I was on like a – it was like throw once every four days, max one inning type plan, so I threw like 13 innings or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, just uh, the different, different atmosphere. I mean, you've got – for me, like like Sean's talked about, coming from a small town in Indiana to suddenly this huge cultural shock, you know, just just all the different different guys and languages you see, um, and then like the kind of that shift from playing for playing for pride, playing for your team, playing for your brothers to you know it's a business. You're playing for yourself. You know you might have friends on the team, but at the end of the day, you're trying to get yourself to the big leagues. Yep. Um, so it's it's a completely different animal. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. What was uh you know obviously we we've had you know the COVID nineteen issues and and you know the pandemic. How did you kind of stay in shape with your arm? getting kind of prepped for this season kind of how, how crazy was that for you? Like, I, I don't know exactly where they have you or they had you set up. Like how did you keep your arm in shape, keep your body in shape with things closed down and stuff like that? Yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, so I was in big league camp when we got shut down and me and one of the other guys ended up staying in town there for probably about a month while stuff was still open and throwing, but you know, couldn't lift. So uh, I went out and bought a, bought a 5.11 backpack and loaded it with as much weight as I could and you know, doing, doing what you can. Um, I think I learned how to go for runs, which was really weird for me. Um, lots of rucks, lots of lunges. Um, I've got a, we've got a crossover symmetry set. So I, I used the crap out of those. Um, mm-hmm. And then 
by the time I came back to Indiana, most of the stuff was back open. But uh, my brother's got basically a full weight room at his house, so I was able to get lifts in there, which was kind of an advantage for me. Absolutely. And then, you know, just throwing at the high school field to a net, trying to stay in shape, trying to throw bullpens, which, I mean, it helped. But at the same time, there's just nothing like throwing to a hitter. There's yep. no way to replicate it. So stay in shape the best you can. But I think – I think I had more resources available than most guys. So mm-hmm. I was able to take advantage of that and that helped. Yeah, especially. Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad you hit on that because here's a first round draft pick throwing into a net at a high school. I think <laughs> this generation gets so caught up into have to train at the best facilities and all this kind of stuff where just take it back to the old days. And I think we really are seeing, especially me and Sean both, and kind of the development process at the younger ages of who was doing stuff during the quarantine and who was doing absolutely nothing. And it showed all summer long. Sean, I'm sure you can attest to that. Yep. Just watching games with the Bulls as well as doing your lessons. And I think it's just so cool that here you are, this is your job, but you're not going to just sit back and relax like it's a vacation. It's, no, I need to get my butt ready to go so when this thing does end that I'm kind of ready to take off and pitch. Can you kind of give us a current update of what's going on now with you and like where you're at in location-wise and what's kind of a day like that you got, uh, like a day you got planned today? Yeah, so right now I'm at the, they call it the alternate training site. So I'm in Springfield, Missouri. Um, so it was, you know, back to the summer, it was like trying to stay in shape because I left, when I left, I was in big league camp. And then I was in on the big league Zoom meetings and all that, and then went to summer camp. So it was like, all right, I'm coming in fighting for a spot, which I didn't end up doing. Um, you know, now I'm here on what they call the 60-man, like the, I don't know, whatever the, the roster pool is. So we're basically, we're kind of like the, we, we are the minor leagues right now. You know, we're, we're all of the farm system. Um, you, you know, typical day, you know, we're pretty well quarantined in the hotel. They're trying to keep us in a bubble as much as they can. Um, go to the field somewhere around three. You know, you got early work, lifts, um, any kind of training room stuff you got to get in. You know, sometimes they'll do some early defense work or bullpens. Um, you know, kind of get all that stuff in on your own, go out as a, as a staff and stretch, throw, condition, PFP. Um, probably two, three days a week, we'll work with the defense on something, you know, backing up day bases or bunt defense, something to try to keep a sense of, of normal routine. And then we'll get into a BP and a scrimmage pretty much every day. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good. It's structured. There's still – some sense of professional baseball rather than, you know, you're just stuck at home on your own, thrown to a net. So you know, <laughs> it's better than nothing, but it's, it's, you know, it's kind of weird. You know, you're, you're here with right now, I think there's probably 25 guys here and no fans, you know, there's only a handful, you know, as few of coaches as they can have here. And this is the pool that guys get pulled from, you know, we had the COVID outbreak and we had like eight or 10 guys go up. Yep. Go from, it's, it's kind of weird, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. I love how you're really creative with, you know, you were creative during the quarantine. Like, Hey, you got to throw into a net. Hey, I had to get some weight in my backpack. You know, that's something comfort is the enemy. And it's something like, you know, David Goggins, all these guys say, and you know, it's something I firmly believe, like you've got to get uncomfortable to grow. You've got to get uncomfortable to grow mentally, physically, you know, emotionally. And there's so many aspects of that thing. And I think you're a great example, you know, not to fill your head too much, you know, but a great example of a guy that's like, Hey dude, I'm going to do what I need to do to get my work in. It doesn't matter. Like if I got to fill up a backpack, if I got to get uncomfortable, like I don't like running, but I'm going to do something to make sure that my legs are still underneath me a little bit once I start throwing. 
Um, that's a big thing. And, you know, kind of talking about being uncomfortable and we, we ask this question every single time, Zach, what's, what's the biggest adversity that you've kind of suffered or went through and, you know, conquered in your life that kind of helped you become a better ball player, helped you become a better man, uh, you know, mentally, physically on a baseball field. You know, I, I can't say, you know, I haven't had any traumatic, I haven't had any big, any big adversity to have to deal with. I've been fortunate on that, but Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, one of the biggest things I think that helped me with my career was coming from such a small town. You know, there were, there really wasn't anybody else at my school that was driven, that had an, had an actual desire, this drive to get to the big leagues. So for Mm me, I had to get creative. I was always by myself, you know, I was, shoot, I would go, go outside, throw a tennis ball to a wall, throw like, three or four complete games <laughs> just to keep myself busy. Um, and then, you know, in high school trading in, you know, friend, friend time and going to basketball games or whatever the, the cool high school thing to do is I was down at the field by myself hitting or throwing into a net till dark. Cause you know, Wapahani doesn't have lights. Yep. So get dark, head up to the weight room, get my lift in and get home for dinner choke down dinner and do homework real quick and go to bed. And that was, you know, looking back, I think that was the biggest thing that has shaped my career. Yeah. Being able to make those sacrifices. That's a big, big deal, man. A lot of people don't want to do that. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah. And I can just tell with your mentality, like where you're thinking at. So can you talk about like when I played pro ball, I think so many guys were worried about trying to get to the big leagues, but they're trying to worry about other things as opposed to just focusing on that single day. Like Zach Thompson, you're going to pitch in the major leagues. Like we all know that. Can you just talk about how important that is to – it's going to happen, but I need to attack this day, not worry about what we're doing within the next four weeks. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's, it's such a business. You, you never know when you're going to get your call or how it's going to happen. So you just got to keep your nose to the ground and just take every day like the last, you know, stick with your routine. There's no, oh, well, if I go out today and I throw 102 and all my shit's nasty, I'm going to get called up because I'm not, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> And then you, because you see guys that'll go out there and have worst outing of their career, but get caught up. It's just, mm-hmm. it's part of the business. So you just gotta kind of stick to your routine and just stay on the grind because you never know what's gonna happen. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Zach, kind of, you know, before we close out, like, kind of what's your what's your biggest advice for guys, uh, you know, at the high school level, college level, like, hey, like, you know, I want to be, you know, uh, a draft prospect. I want to play, you know, in the big leagues one day, which I'm pretty sure a majority of people that play baseball have that mentality and they want to have that, but having that mentality versus understanding and having the work ethic behind that and that, that mindset behind it is two separate things. Like what's kind of your advice to guys to kind of get to that level and, and push themselves to beyond their, their comfort zones. First of all, like my mindset isn't, I want to get to the big leagues and my goal is not, I want to get to the big leagues. My plan is to be a hall of famer. Like I have, it's awesome. like, there's no, there's no doubt. Like a goal. I feel like it's kind of that almost like unattainable, like, Oh, well I hope I can achieve something like this. It's like, no, I have a plan to get here. Here's how I'm going to do it. I have confidence in my shit. I know I'm going to be a hall of famer. That's my plan. So it's like, you know, don't worry about this flair and, you know, social media and, oh, I've got to drive a Lamborghini and show everybody that I've got a Rolex, you know, 
I think that by posting on social media and acting cool that they're somehow going to be like those guys, but they don't realize that, you know, these, these big flare big leaguers that are doing that started out grinding their ass off and they were probably 14, 15 years old. You know, we've got, we've got Latinos here that signed when they're 16 they've been working their ass off ever since. Mm -hmm. Um, stay off social media. Nobody needs to know when you're doing your workout. You know, if, yep. if you have time to stop and post a video of you bench pressing, you're not, <laughs> you're not really working that hard. You know, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Don't worry, about, don't worry about showing it off. You know, show your game on the field. Man, that's good advice right there, man. Like, you know, we definitely live in an age where people want to be perceived as hard workers than actually be hard workers. They, they want that perception, you know, because in their opinion, in their idea, and this is a lot of people in the world, their perception is reality, even though, you know, what we see is something completely different a lot of times in that aspect. Um, you know, we kind of follow a lot of the same people on social media. And I kind of want to ask this question too. Um, what's some guys that you kind of look up to kind of, you know, motivate you? Um, you know, obviously I feel like you're kind of an intrinsically motivated. You motivate, motivate yourself on a lot of aspects of things, but what's some guys that you kind of, you know, listen to when it comes to, you know, pitching development or, you know, hell arm health, stuff like that, that kind of can help guys kind of follow your aspect and things and, and what you believe in. You know, obviously I, I follow your page, so I can't be that smart. <laughs> that's right that's right man yeah i got them all fooled baby <laughs> no, um, the fake tough, you know, fake tough guy that's right fake tough guy always posting when he's working out and <laughs> trying to convince people he's a hard worker <laughs> but no uh you know certain really in high school because you know around summer there's not a lot of people that do like what you do so i ended up somehow i don't remember how i ended up finding cressy Yep. And going through a lot of his free free articles and videos and all that stuff and digging and doing my own work and just finding, you know, his arm care stuff, his how he approaches lifting for baseball, because you know, around here it's it's basketball, it's football. Yep. Yep. That's you know, with baseball being so sports specific, having somebody like Cressy with a free all these free resources, you know, back mm -hmm. in the day he had probably hundred, two hundred free articles on his website that you could dig through. And then, you know, outside of that, pretty much follow any pitching page. Yeah. You can find, you know, I was always tinkering with grips based off, you know, somebody like pitching list or something would post, Oh, here's Max Scherzer's change up grips. So I'd screw around and try that. And, you know, yeah. Always put just trying to see, cause you know, around some of there aren't a lot of big leaders. So yeah. you can't just sit down and talk to one. So, the next best best thing is to find interviews with them, you know, get on YouTube, shit like that was, was how I found my way. Um, you know, I ended up, I found my, I started out throwing curveball based off of a grip I saw in a college game, you know, um, it, it's developed a long ways from there, but just watching baseball, being around baseball, watching MLB network, watching stuff on YouTube, watching stuff on Instagram, Yep. Um, just finding finding every free resource I can because I can't just sit down with a big leaguer and pick his brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you hit on that because here you are at the highest level and you're still doing research to try to find a way to get better. And I think that's just what propels you and it's going to keep you going all the way through. All right, last question before we get off. Who is, if you had to pick one guy that you want to face when you make your debut one day, who's the one hitter you want to go against? Hmm. 
tough one. <laughs> um, I expect to hear all of them is what I would expect to hear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 we've got it narrowed down to one. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I I almost say Miggy just because you know it's like he's a no doubt Hall of Famer. It's like I yep. want to see what I could do against Miggy. I like I think that. That'd be a fun one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Zach, man, we appreciate you coming on, man, and kind of breaking some stuff down and talking about it. I, I really, I really like the end of that, that part too, where you're talking about following certain guys and, you know, free information. Cause there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, have a lot of fake, you know, Hey, buy this, buy this, mm-hmm. but you know, guys like Cressy, you know, that, 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 that do videos like little tip videos to help with arm care and, you know, free articles and stuff like that. Like I respect a lot of those guys because they've got so much information. They're not worried about giving away free information. And that's the thing is if you have so much knowledge base and you really truly want to help people, yes, it is your livelihood and you want to put food on the table, but at the same time, like, and that's, that's something that I, I try to respect in this, in this, you know, profession, like, Hey, let's get out as much information as possible. Let's help people out. Cause you know, you know, you got to walk the walk. You can't, you get, you can't just talk the talk and say, Hey, do this, do this, do this. If you're not actually helping people and doing it yourself and putting that information out there. So I love that. And you've got to try those things. You can't just assume, Oh, well he's, what he's saying has to be right. It's, you know, try it. It may not work for you. It may be perfect for you. You can't just take one guy's routine and just decide that it's yours. Suddenly, you know, you've got to, you've got to take big bits and pieces from everybody and, Mm-hmm. it's it's trial and error you got to figure out what works for you yeah being humble enough to try things and and like hey i'm gonna try this and, you know trial and error is such a big thing experience i always say like you know education is awesome but experience is the number one that teaches everything that helps you with everything yep. yeah there's 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 a reason why people call that you know that old man strength that old man knowledge because you know the longer you play this game like as you know like i'm sure i'll talk to you in a few years and there's completely different things you've learned um and things you want to absolutely but yeah, man, uh, Adam, is there anything else you want to say before we close out? No, nah, man. Thank you for coming on. This was awesome. Thanks for Absolutely. having me. Absolutely. Fun. Absolutely. Brother. Well, until next time, guys, we'll see you later.